to cover my ass where baffling books are reviewed but not read by yours truly. My name is Kaki and I'm gay and I'm wondering why we're whispering. Okay, it's very remember, just we only judge a book by its cover. Good that you finished it. Okay, so this is going to be a bit of a tricky recording, but if you c- come up with me, Kay, yeah. look through these look through these bookshelves. I'm going to part the books just, yes. just slightly. It's the back Kay, of a bookshelf. The back of the bookshelf is not the full height of the, the bookshelf. Oh, sorry, Play yes. in the space. <laughs> we can peek through and see I have discovered... Okay, so to catch the readers up on the unnecessary lore and to leave you in a bit of suspense of what we're looking at, I've been exploring the mysteries of your library on a sort of suicidal velocipede that we call the Threegle Three, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and I've been searching for the breeding grounds of the Velibraptors. Yes. And no success yet. There was some, some weird shit with raccoons there for a while. Yes. Tristan, I think they were called. Yes. But now I've made a discovery. It's, it's a creature that I've never seen before, uh-huh. but I, I've named it a hebdromedary, because if you look, like, it sort of looks like, a, I mean, it's clearly mammalian, it's yeah. furry, and it has seven humps. It sounds like any furry convention to me, but... Ooh, that's very specific. But no, like, arms or legs or a head or a front or a back. Like, it's just yes. this... Seven... It, it kind of looks a bit like a... I don't know. So uh, yeah, it's undulating. Is it a triple? Oh, I... I hope not. The, the, so I don't have any radioactive elements here. <laughs> the wonderful creatures from Star Trek, the original series. Yes. But isn't it a majestic creature? I wonder what it's doing. Because it just seems to be... Oh, look, there's two of them. They just seem to be sort of wobbling around. Maybe they're your mating? I don't know. I don't think I've seen these. Unless these, like... These could be carpet monsters. Carpet monsters? What are uh, those? Well, they're kind of like what carpets become when they go bad. That's not a thing. Oh, okay. that's what you that's think. <laughs> Is that a, okay? So, is that a thing specific to your library? Well, then tell me about these carpet monsters. Because if that's what carpet monsters look like, but I don't know, maybe I want to be friends with I one. Think when you spill enough food on a carpet, then eventually it becomes sentient and it becomes a carpet monster. And this that could be is one how of those. that works. Yes. I mean, it works with pants as well. Oh, pants! I've never seen that happen. But oh, then you haven't spilled enough coffee on your pants. I guess I don't drink coffee. Oh, what a remarkable! Like t- that we're that we're fifty nine weeks in to mm-hmm. my. Um, Residence is that what we're no, saying? Let's, let's go with that. Yeah, my my residence uh, in your in your magical library, and I'm still discovering yes. new are things. You st- are you going to start a um, a bestiary? Maybe you know what? I probably already have. I mean, I've I've been keeping my 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 little journal. Oh yes, uh, I could probably fill that out with. Oh, that's a great idea. Now, if only I could draw. We'll figure oh, that's something gonna be out. Hard, yes. Maybe our readers at home will help me. Maybe we can get some fan art of the hebdromedary. Oh. Uh, a seven humped. Headless, legless creature. Yeah. Or the forty-five caliber bookworm. Whatever, whatever your crazy little imagination can come up with. Uh, and you can uh, share that with us if you're interested at CoverMyAssCast at Twitter.com. Or you can send it to us directly to CoverMyAssCast at Gmail.com. And for anything else, we just generally love to hear from you. And um, talking about hearing of things. No, I just guess that's not a very good segue. No, no award that's not for, a candidate for the award. But <laughs> let's, let's talk about this week's book anyway. <laughs> If there's a wait, I don't wonder if there's a Razzie for segways. Ooh, you know the Raspberry Award. What would be the ra- the straightway, the, the causeway, the, the electrical fault segway? Oh, what do you call a, bad, a phrase that makes no sense? Non sequitur. Oh, uh, non sequitur. Yes. Mm. Okay, so what would be a prize for a for a non sequitur? Oh, for a really good because hey, a really bad segway is kind of. An okay non sequitur, isn't it? It depends on what you're going for. I mean, non sequiturs can be funny, I suppose. You can but... do it like the Soviet space program and say ah. afterwards which one you were going oh, for. Oh, that sounds like a good plan, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you shoot and whatever you hit, you call the target. Yeah, that's... Uh... <laughs> anyway, this week's book yes. is by Michael Delvin. Delving, sorry. Michael uh, Delving, yes. The Devil Finds Work. 
Now there's a title. Ah, it's a lovely cover, too. What we can see is a nubile lady. Yes, I would call her nubile, dressed yes, in she's, she's sort of supine. tatters. And a, a, a supposedly handsomely bearded man in a white gown. He maybe has a yeah, bit of a Jesus of a, complex. All those little, a little bit, yeah. I noticed that as well. And he's doing the Y from YMCA with oh, his yes. arms. So presumably there's a, there's the a construction other... worker and a, and a Native American racist <laughs> stereotype yeah. off, just off screen. Oh, and a police officer. Don't forget the police officer. Yeah. And and yes, there's an altar with with some fun figures. sculptures on yes, it, and yeah. a skull, which I think is actually a genuine skull, not a sculpture. Isn't it amazing how often those are included in like classical architecture skulls. and art? Yeah, isn't there a word for like uh, um, not cathedrals, but the, the little little ch- chapels mm-hmm. that have lots of bone-based artwork with actual oh. bones? What's it called? Ossuary, oh. isn't it? Uh, well, for a start, from the, from the Latin for, for, for bones, you need like somewhere to put the bones after you've done. You've, what do you call it? What's the word? Charamt in English? Exhume? No, not really. Exhume is merely t- taking out of the grave. It's not, yeah. not specifically the practice of clearing out a grave. That's not very common in the rest of the world. Yeah. Because in the Netherlands, because we don't have a lot of space. But, well, you have the French catacombs in Paris, which have the bone things. And in Romania, there's, oh, whole, yeah. there's whole churches of them. Human bones used in church construction are not exactly the uncommon. One in, the one in Paris was a, was a, was an aspect of necessity. Like, well. 1.3 million people died of the died of the yeah. plague there, and they couldn't bury all the bodies, and they couldn't get them out of the city fast enough, and uh, there were religious strictures against cremation. So what did, I mean, f- f- presumably they had to be buried and decomposed first and then get reburied. No, they were just put down there. Oh, they were they were stacked there by the thousands and thousands. Oh, uh, so yeah, so monks went down there and they would they would they would wear rags with, yeah. with vinegar and uh, uh, burn lots and lots of torches to get rid of the excess methane. Oh yeah, I was gonna, oh so they were just like the bodies were just piled on there and left there to decompose in the yeah uh, in the yeah. So that's oh, okay. why they've got the the long like network of tunnels, and you fill yeah. up one tunnel and then you just sort of break it, break up. it up. Yeah, yeah. and then like and on, move on to the next oh, one. You oh, come back a few years later. With a, oh. Most of the mess will be gone by then, I suppose. What was really remarkable when we visited it there, like aside from just the confrontation with that many human remains, there were two remarkable things. One of them was they hung electric lights so that, yeah. that visitors can, can go through there. Mm-hmm. And anywhere where an electric light like shines directly on a bone or whatever, that's where you find like a little plant or some moss. Oh, okay. Just that tiny amount of light is enough for, for the light, life for to life spring to, up. Yeah. yeah. And the other one was eventually while these uh, tunnels were being dug, every now and again they'd hit a natural cave, you know, essentially an yeah. earth geode. Yeah. And then that would be taken as sort of a sign from God and it was it was purposed as a as a little chapel where the monks who were they had a tough job yeah. down there could chill out and like read the Bible on the pedestal and Sounds good. And uh, of course uh, a lovely gold chalice. Yeah, some candles. I mean the, it's, the, a, it's not a really candle, it's more a torch, I think. It looks a bit like one of those Olympic torches. It's a very stereotypical image that you think of when you think of Satanism. But like all the all the satanic ritual abuse, SRA is is I think the oh? the, the descriptor. Yeah, the, the satanic panic oh, uh, right. of the of the eighties and nineties. The Dungeons and Dragons will teach your kids how to uh, cast spells and worship the devil or something like yeah. that. And I mean, it's like moral panic needs to exist about something. Certainly in this little town oh, yes. where this book takes place. Can you, can you read us the back cover? Uh, yes, like, I will. So, the little town of Big Beaver, Pennsylvania, struggling to rebound after the closure of its electric novelty crucifix factory, is beset by a swarm of turtlenecked, espresso-swilling, horn-rent Satanists drawn in by its authenticity. 
A conflict of biblical proportions brews between the dark prince and their traditional nemesis, the interim chairperson of the homeowners association. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure whom I would like be less favored to go head to head with because, ooh, you know what they say, the fights are so vicious because the stakes are so low. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was quite bold that the story begins with uh, the B-plot that is actually not mentioned on the back. It does kind of refer to the title. but Exactly, exactly. We see the proprietor of a job placement outfit called Craftwork mm-hmm. in Big Beaver, which has seen a bit of a boom since the uh, electric novelty crucifix factory shut down and a lot of factory-trained laborers and engineers and administrative personnel yeah. are looking for something to do. Yeah, the Central Americans uh, turned out that they can produce neon crucifixes much cheaper than they can in Pennsylvania. Yeah. So everything that was being sold to Mexico and Guatemala is now being produced in Honduras. Which is a little closer to the idea of like local manufacturing. <laughs> exactly. Not quite there, but... At least you don't have to smuggle it across the border and the... Uh, yeah, the Pennsylvania doesn't seem like a great place for like an electric neon uh, crucifix factory. Well, I get a sort of Protestant vibe out in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Oh, you've got the plane, the Amish people. Yeah, I was going to say the Pennsylvania Dutch. Mennonites who do allow electricity. Oh, very good. And then, of course, you've got uh, Amish electricity, uh, well, air pressure. <laughs> You're allowed to run things on pneumatics, but that's, that's great. Well, I think the predominant religious sects in Pennsylvania are various forms of Protestantism and, or, I or Reformed Christianity, yeah. I, I want to say. Like, well, nothing yeah, really that really goes for ostentatious displays like glowing mm. crucifixes that play little jingles when you play them. When you them walk just by right. them and yeah, you make the sign of the cross when you're standing in front of them and there's this little uh, gesture recognition camera which yes, sees yes. that and then it like plays a little Levenly hymn to you. And woe betide you if you go west-east instead of east-west. Oh. Uh, well, there was a little bit of a controversy when the sensor got installed backwards. And, well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Leading to a brief skirmish with uh, uh, with Mexico, I believe. Oh, uh, well, there was the leftist and the rightist, and it turned into a bit of a Gulliver-esque travel with... Uh, is this a thing? No. Leftist and... Ro- oh, oh. <laughs> no. Oh, okay. <laughs> you swept me away in this fantastical <laughs> imagination sphere that, that you... Oh. Let's just let's just focus on reality. <laughs> yes, let's do that. Where back we, to the book we're reviewing. Back to the book that we've both read. And we start off with the proprietor of the Kraftwerk job placement office, uh, a rather surly man, yeah. uh, uh, assigning a new, like, have you thought about this career? And he sort of picks a, a random career out of his hat yeah. for this person, which is, have you tried being a stainless steel origamist? Which is like... Because I think that's perfect for you. A stainless steel origamist. I mean, yeah. yes, it, a blacksmith would be like... I mean, they don't really tend to work in stainless steel. Uh, Nor do origamists. So yes, the Kraftwerk a man whom we shortly afterwards learn goes by the name of Lou Cipher. <laughs> yes. <laughs> from the from the Louisville Cyphers, I believe. I think so too, yes. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Uh, how long did it take you to sort of figure out what was going on there it, with Lou Cipher? It took me a while. I must say, like, embarrassingly, it took me much longer than I... Uh, it, it wasn't quite blatantly obvious that all the yeah. people that uh, were assigned to their jobs were really not really suited to them. Or No, um, not just that, but like that their presence there was an absolute disaster for everyone involved. It was, it was, it was total yeah. pandemonium every time. Um, I sort of felt embarrassed how long it how long it took me to realize this, and it and it reminded me of a comment thread that I saw screen captured once. God, we're it's back to Kaki and K describing the internet on, memes, a, on, yes. on a podcast. Yeah, <laughs> uh, a comment thread in a Colombo. 
Uh, do you know the detective yeah, series yeah. where you always see who did it at the at the start? A Columbo uh, appreciation group where someone was complaining about how he hated Columbo and that he really liked detective series because you you have to sort of you have to sort of figure it out and you you pay you attention and watch along. Yeah, yeah. But he thought the Columbo was so poorly written because about fifty percent of the time he's already figured out who done it before the big reveal at the end. Right when in fact at the beginning of this episode you see who yes, it is. Yes, one hundred percent of the time. Oh, so uh, I sort of felt like like that particular fuck clump. <laughs> Ooh, that's right. Harsh words from you. Uh, it's it's self-deprecating. That's the, the uh, it's me who is the fuck club. Oh, okay, right. Case. Sorry, I thought you were like referring to this person as the fuck club. Also, but, yes. we're we're a, we're a gaggle of fuck clumps, aren't we? Oh uh, well, yes. Is that the actual collective noun for fuck clumps? Oh no, but now we're going say to it's figure l- one out, aren't we? I would yeah. say it's more like a lubrication of fuck clumps. <laughs> A pound of fuck clumps? A pa- oh, very good. Yes, let's <laughs> yeah. go with that. <laughs> good Lord. <laughs> we better come up with something better than that, because otherwise that's going to be the title of this episode. Oh, pound of fuck clumps. Yeah, well. <laughs> All right, so, yes, our... Uh, we move on to the main plot of the book, don't we? It kind of segues into that, actually, when Lou, at the end of his uh, day, uh, moves towards his uh, new residence. Oh, and yeah. And we can like, get introduced to the neighborhood. Uh, so Lou wanders down from his uh, job center, grumbling about the idiots that he had to like find jobs for. And yeah. Complaining about what a terrible waste of his time and intellect this is. And there should be much better ways for him to make people's lives miserable. Which yes. he, seems to be, he seems to hate his job quite a lot. And like he seems to <laughs> yeah. delight making people miserable and... like. His main complaint is that he can only do it to one person at a time here. It's and so it's, frustrating because uh, he's such a misanthrope. Yes. He comments about the neighborhood. And this is like this typical, you know, little boxes on the hillside uh, oh, yeah. type of neighborhood where he <laughs> wanders through, where all the grasses has to be cut on the same day and in the same pattern. Measured to the same height that's marked on everyone's... Measured to the uh, same height. Trash cans are not allowed to be visible from the street after six in the evening yeah. on trash collection day, which is every other Thursday except in a leap year when it's every other Wednesday, unless it's a Tuesday or something like that. Fizzbin! <laughs> Fizzbin? One day there will be one person who gets that joke. And, I, I, and, and I this is just for you. I think this I, is for you. I You're very special. I need to know. Fizzgig, you mean? No, Fizzbin. Fizzbin is, is a pretend card game that Captain oh, Kirk right. makes up in an episode of uh, uh, Star Trek. They pretend to be playing this oh, game with okay. incredibly complicated rules. Ah, okay. So it's kind of like... Um, go, Johnny, go, 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 go. Go, yes. yes. <laughs> that one. So I thought that... I liked how quickly this this suburban scene sort of escalated, because not only is this sign about how trash cans may not be visible from the street after 6 p.m., is not just plastered everywhere, yeah. but there are even several cars driving around the neighborhood with, with megaphones and tannoy systems. Proclaiming this very, very loudly. And just before he uh, wanders into his uh, rental unit, most of these places are owned by uh, the homeowners, of course. Naturally. But there's, but there's a few rental, the, the few houses which didn't got, got sold by the development agency, and they're being rented out. And uh, this is, of course, a, a really big problem in the eyes of Miss uh, Karen the World, uh, who was the head of the, the, the interim head of the homeowners association. Yeah. Who specifically walks up to Lou and like tells him that his bin needs to be moved off the street before. Before six on trash collection day, when I have to work until six, I cannot be here. I have to put the bin out on the street when I go to work, and like, and she's like, "Don't matter, don't care." Yeah, that's what it says in the homeowners association rules. And it wouldn't be such a problem if she didn't go around bribing all the neighborhood children to not perform this service for love nor money for anyone, because that would be the that's usually the solution, right? You. You pay them a dollar for like pay yeah. them a buck to like take my take my trash in when you when you come back from school and there's yeah. a buck waiting for you. Yeah, but she's already counter bribing 
the children of the neighborhood so that yeah absolutely no one can can comply with these with these rules uh, that she herself uh, fights tooth and nail to to maintain. Now, yeah. all the fiercer now that she's the interim chairperson of the Homeowners Association, it's not quite clear what happened to the previous chairperson, is it? Uh, not at the beginning of the book. No. <laughs> <laughs> this is the point where what is described as the Satanists uh, start to arrive. Satanists is the label that uh, Karen de World obviously immediately uh, brands them, them with yes. as soon as they start arriving and Despite all her efforts to keep this a community of homeowners, of uh, a responsible, uh, essentially landed gentry, she has not taken into account the power of Airbnb. Mm. And they descend on the land of the lofts, these turtlenecked, weird, espresso-swilling, horn-rimmed motherfuckers uh, of indeterminate gender with all these, all these, all these cool – it's millennials, isn't it? It is millennials. It's right? Like, That's just what, what boomers call millennials, Satanists, yeah, right? Yeah, like avocado toast-eating <laughs> yeah. espresso-swilling. We've, we've had that one. But, uh, yeah. Avocado-vores. Ooh. Oh, no, there's going to be a better than that. Uh, we'll come up with something. I, I mean, like, I like avocado, but why would you spread it on toast when you can make it into guacamole? Isn't it? Did you like guacamole on toast? What else goes in guacamole? It depends on how you make it. Uh, when I do it, it's like... What's gua- guaco mean? Oh, I have no... Mollage means sauce. Sauce. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it might be like... Guacamado, avocuac. I have no idea. Okay. When I make it, I, I sort of figured that out once you started stumbling. <laughs> when I make it, it's got tomato, onion, and garlic in it as well, and lime, of course. It's, it's Mexican, of course. It has to be lime in it. Is that a thing? With yes. With, okay. It's the secret of Mexican food. You put lime on everything, even okay. on limes. Well, okay. Yeah. Well, having done the the, the traditional tequila shot thing, mm. yeah, I'm, I'm quite familiar with it. There you go. So but, you put it on the, but you put it on the guacamole. You put it on the salad. You put it on the tacos. Everything just gets light. Generous helping of lime on it. And not, so that, much, not so much the dolce de leche, but, you know. That is, oh, let me figure this out. That is a milk-based dessert? Yes. Hey! Very good. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I think it's like, yeah, it's made with, like, condensed milk and maybe other milk, and it's like oh, one of those great. cooked things. Yes, it does sound quite, quite nice. It's not just as when you just boil a tin of condensed milk, which is also quite entertaining. Why? What happens? Oh, it it it, it kind of caramelizes. So you take a, a you take a tin of condensed milk, yes. and you just put it in a pan of water, and yeah. you boil it for an hour or so. Just keep it on a, a simmer. Mm-hmm. And if you then open it up, it's like the in, the inside is like turned caramel brown wow. instead. It's, how, does it, how does it taste? Caramelky, caramelly type thing. Is there is there like additional sugar in it, or well, yeah, is it's that... condensed sweetened condensed milk? Ah, there you yeah. go. A housemate of mine once made it. I can't remember what we did with it other than taste it. But, I go, uh, mm, and yeah. then toss it out. She was quite frugal, so I don't think there would have been much tossing out of food stuff. Wow, was she was she an alchemist? She was in chemistry, so. <laughs> Okay, well, that's, that's basically the same thing. Yeah. So these snake people, which I believe is also a term for, for millennials. I oh, I've never heard that one before. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw um, a, a Chrome plugin for the browser that when you install that, it replaces the word millennial on any oh. web page that you see with snake people. Oh, okay. <laughs> snake people are killing the magazine industry. <laughs> We should have one for Satanists. Satanists are killing the magazine industry. Oh, <clears throat> Satanists aren't having enough babies. The millennials moving in. They like uh, sorry, the, the the Satanists, not the yeah, millennials. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, who who introduce themselves uh, uh, very confusingly? I mean, Teller, Teller, and Taylor, oh, and yes. as we remember, Tyler. Yes, uh, and Tally, and Ty. Sorry, and Tay. Tay. These are the ones who who show up at the at the homeowners association, demanding to be let in. Mm-hmm. 
because they're Airbnb exclusive ownership of an owned house. Karen uh, tries to like ban them, but they have the documents that oh, say yeah. that they are the proxy of the homeowner and that they are allowed to vote in the meeting. Which Karen... I mean, she she goes into the statutes <laughs> yes. and she uh, grabs the secretary by the by the scruff. This is the guy uh, by the name of Tom Collins. Oh yeah, I like him. He's a bit of a lush, but you know, he's, uh, <laughs> you know I'm quite fond of Tom Collins. Well, I yes, I, I thought you were. He made a, he made a he's, very he's, good impression. He's a bit old fashioned, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cheers you up in the morning. It that does. sounds it's, good, it's, Tom it's Collins. It's a real pick you up. Yes. Yeah. And they make sure that all the uh, T's are crossed and the I's are dotted in the proxies. But it turns out that, yes, they are all apparently all allowed to be at the bi-weekly uh, Homeowners Association meeting. Because, yes, the meetings are held usually by Karen and Tom. And nobody yeah. shows up. And they've lo- long bypassed the quorum laws. And yeah. so they can just pretty much hammer up every piece of uh, legislation change that they want through. Which they do at length and frequency, replacing those signs outside as often as they, as often uh, as as they, they can. can. Yes. Just drunk with power. Yes. Lou especially gets the like the brunt of this thing when like he he, he turns up in basically for, I don't know why but he has a limousine you know so like a big stretch limousine and he parks oh, yeah. there so like the first thing that Karen and Tom do is like they ban cars over a certain length but then one of the other residents Mo Lester uh, oh, yeah. buys himself an RV which for some reason has free candy on this written on the side but yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. entirely blacked out windows I thought and, that was a exactly was a very weird and, 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 and that car is too long as well so then they go like we don't ban cars over a certain length we uh, they just keep it's changing a certain height to length they basically keep changing the rules and rather than make a no limos rule they just keep changing the rules and to make sure that like loose car is still banned but all the other ones are not if only this took place in peru i've told you about this before per- the peruvian native uh, language quechua yeah. includes the includes has the concept of inclusivity which is a, a a linguistic feature that not a lot of languages have but that means whether or not the person that you're speaking to is included so you have two forms of we like we and you are going to the pub or we and not you are going to the pub. Yeah. (laughs) And you can make it very clear and you don't have to resort to like circumscribing all of these bizarre rules that Tom and Karen keep coming up with in order to make sure that Lou Cipher is right in the middle of that little (laughs) Venn diagram. (laughs) So back to work he goes, uh, our, our Lou Cipher, grumbling worse than ever, and is beset by these Satanists who have arrived and who intend to put their, their idle hands to work while they're oh, there. Yeah. Uh, and they want to find something to do. But, of course, they don't want to, like, go into the service industry or flip burgers or wherever, well, wherever anyone is. I mean, is. The, the barista jobs are snapped up like that. Exactly. That's, like, done exactly. immediately. And, that's like, you so, know, that's... in the bistros, it's all, everything turns vegan. And Karen then tries to pass a law that a certain minimum number of meat uh, oh, elements, yeah, that was weird. elements have to be put on the menu and that they have to be on top. A certain number of animal deaths are required in yes. order to maintain your. Which, if, which Lou kind of like agrees with. I mean, he seems that to be one doesn't fairly. Seem to him, no, he seems true. to be fairly happy with that. But so the rest of these uh, snake people start piling in because they discover this place called Craft Work. Mm-hmm. Now, for a millennial, that's where we want to be. They're imagining that this is the Etsy of, of job placements, and they are not wrong because they, in, in rapid order, get. It's all done very amateuristically. So, yeah, I'm sorry. That's well, right. that's, I'm being uncharitable towards Etsy. But. <laughs> I've brought some and very lovely items from Etsy, so... I'm sure a lot of people have. Yes. <laughs> Lou Cipher performs his, his dark work on these on these newly arrived Satanists and pairs them up with, with jobs like a long-form unicyclist <laughs> and just reaching into his hat and 
assigns Teller as his indentured influencer. Yeah, he seems to have this endless font of useless jobs. And Isn't it amazing? It is. It's like so. Tally becomes an amateur close-up tradition. Tra- oh, tra- tradition. Tra- tradition. Yeah, yeah tra- that one was confusing. Yeah. Ty becomes an escape room architect, and Tay becomes an extreme whale bonologist. A fun. P- oh yeah, and then and then Tyler, of course, becomes the stay-at-home swordsmith. I mean. Now, that's the only Travel- one that goes horribly wrong. A good sword is needed at some point, so it does kind of work out in the end. Yes, but an indoor kiln... True. And again, Karen has something to say about like yes. that. So uh, that's, a, that's yeah. a bit of a downer. But this should have been the norm. Like, all of these job placements should have been uh, uh, incredible disasters for everyone involved. And to lose great surprise, they take to these jobs like and it fish starts to working water. out. Yeah. Yes, he seems to suddenly like- we have excellent escape rooms, and our influencer can sway public opinion and get even the most local demands of the primary school that needs new pens can get that trending on Twitter. Even the whale bonologist, it's like when there's like a, a yes. sudden fi- find of uh, what are they called again? Old old fashioned corsets. Uh, which needs uh, to be, yes. uh, there's like, yeah. yeah, and it gets like sorted, all, all the stuff which is and isn't legal according to the latest regulation of hunting endangered species, <laughs> yes. and it all gets sorted out fine. It's like amazing. And, and it turns out that there's a big market for amateur close-up tragics, which is really quite get that. It's like, I it, guess it's sort of a form like, like cathartic misery right. that you can, that you like can a, share with someone. Like a town crier, someone who's just like wandering around and like... That's not what a... No, that's not what a, no, that's not what a town no, crier I'm, I'm, is. I'm, Do you I'm, think there's just someone who walks around weeping and is paid for it? Well... <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm just more thinking of like someone performing a public function. In the case of a town cry, it's well, spreading the news. The, the Romans it. did have that. They were they would hire whalers. Oh yeah, not whalebone like mm-hmm. whalers, but they would hire hire women to wail with with sorrow. Oh, it's still not unusual during I mean, a funeral. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. true. Still, in, in, in certain uh, Middle Eastern cultures, that still happens. And I mean, you'd only have to see what happened during after. Um, was it Kim Jong Il? Kim Jong Il, which Kim was Jong-il, the Il died, yeah. and I suppose those weren't paid for it. I think a lot of that no, was, but you see the, the yeah. people on like during the 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 hours of of mourning, like yes. lashing themselves, trying to cry. pulling their hair out, and like I guess a lot of that is just like yeah, trying to like not to be like told out to the uh, uh, the authoritarian yes. regime, which is almost as bad as the homeowners. I was going to say the Stasi, but like the Stasi <laughs> was never that intimate. So Lou is surprised not only that. Suddenly, he's matching people up with with careers that not only suit their abilities very well, but also make them integrate into the community and 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 make them contribute in in a way that he's never seen happening in Big in Beaver life. before. No, well, uh, I mean, he's not, he's new to Big Beaver as well, as we learn a little bit later in the book. He rolled okay. in his limousine quite recently. It really comes to head with Karen when Lou's pet, a literal Hellcat, as it turns out, <laughs> uh, literal, literal, not like figurative literal, but literal, literal, glowing red eyes <laughs> yes. and three-inch-long fangs and burning tuft at the end of its tail. Yeah, and a, and a, and a meow like the wailing of a thousand burning yes, ship Yes, and a growl, a growl like limestone scratching On over brine or something like that. Uh, over brimstone. Yes. What's weird is that everyone describes it equally as accurately as we just did right now. When uh, Karen uh, pushes a rule of no cats over 15 pounds, because owning a fat cat is cruel. So we get a final showdown when one of the original residents of the neighborhood shows up at the craft work, Anita Jobs. Uh, yeah, Anita Jobs. What a... 
<laughs> what a refreshing face she was. <laughs> she was. And I think she's the lady on the altar that we see there. I think so. When uh, Lou takes her to the back room and, like, performs his magic, I guess, or his, like, you know, <laughs> yes. like, he does his consultancy, I suppose. And she comes out looking a little <laughs> yeah. bit more disheveled than she was when she went in. She's got her... But she's got all these new cool rags. Yes, it's, it's the remnants of the official polo shirt that Karen makes everywhere. Because if you have a garage sale, you have to wear a, a, a polo shirt and khaki pants. <laughs> Oh, and my poli- namesake is being used by a Karen. <laughs> what, an, what an absolute nightmare world, this big beaver. And it would have remained so if it weren't for these, these wonderful Satanists mm. descending and, and, and bringing some life to a moribund community thanks to their... The Lord Satan himself, as it turns Sa- out. Yes. Lou is like literally being ousted from his position as the Lord of Hell because he was failing to meet quotas three years running. Yeah. Uh, and he was being punished by put into this job at Craftwork in this little community. And where to his, at first, great dismay, he discovers that he actually has a knack for setting people on the, on the right path for them in a much more direct way than the fates or the universe or God. I or guess, I mean, that, that is technically the whole thing about hell. You are redeemed there until you have paid for your sins and then is that allowed back into heaven. Redeeming is not the word. So what is it called then? Like when you have like paid punished. your debts, you've been punished and like doesn't redemption follow punishment? I think redemption does. Wow, we're digging into the theology pretty deeply. Yeah. Let's not forget Lucifer started off as an angel. True. I mean, we call him the devil, but he's Lucifer, the light bringer. Yes. He he did start off as an angel who just had the temerity to speak up against, I guess from his perspective, the Injustice. the permanent chairperson yes. of the Homeowners World, Association. World Owners Association. <laughs> yes. uh, so he has one more trick up his sleeve using his incredible power of finding people jobs that they're perfectly suited for. Mm-hmm. He works his magic on Karen de World. Yes. And in what some people might describe as the best job placement that has ever been performed on Earth, because she does wake up in the in the fiery plains where she belongs as the new queen of hell. hell. Yes. Hell has never no. had a, a more micromanaging, misery-inducing tormentor. <laughs> tormentor than Karen. She is in the exact place where she wants to be, mm. and suddenly everyone... Everyone in this little world of Big Beaver and the and the and the Great Below. She has every care in the world at that point. <laughs> is is satisfied and what a bizarre way to arrive at a happy ending for a yes. book. I think it's a lovely introspective story. I do too. It's, it's, yeah. So how are we going to rate this book? Well, easy. How many planes does hell have? Um was it, was well, it the seven? Of, was it seven or eight or nine? The circles of hell. Circles it depends. of hell. I mean, the circles of hell were kind of made up. Yeah, by, by what's his face? Not Dante Alighieri. Was it was Dante. Dante. It was Dante. Dante's hell. Yes, uh, Dante's inferno. Yeah, it's the one. I keep forgetting because he shows up. No, he doesn't show up. It's uh, uh, it's Virgil that shows up in there. And the last plane of hell was the ones who betrayers, I believe, was the deepest plane of hell. Which I've can, never, uh, I've never read it. People who betray, and I yeah. won't pretend to have read it no. on the podcast. No, well, there's like paintings of it. I think it's seven circles of hell, if I recall correctly. Okay, so out of seven? Seven. Very uh, appropriate with the, oh, it's back, it's back, the, the, the hebdomadary. So, oh. yes, out of, out of, out of seven circles of hell or seven humps on a hebdomadary. I'll, I'll give it six out of seven lumps. All right, so a hexomadary out yes. of the seven circles of hell. So maybe we've, we've flattened one of them. 
Don't flatten one of them. Okay, so I'm doing the job placement on myself. Okay. So I'm giving myself an additional role. Aside from being your junior librarian, right. uh, I'm, I'm now also going to be a, a, a naturalist well, of, you can, your, okay, of your biology. That's very good. You can start by cleaning up after them because I think that one left a mess. That's for Tristan to do. We yeah. figured that out in the Unnecessary uh, Lord. Do you I remember? Suppose, right. It's yeah. the raccoons who – oh, my God. So it's three raccoons they in have, trench coat. Well, that's the representatives that we've seen. I'm sure there have to be more of them. And then we've been misidentifying them as gnomes, and they've been paid. Yes, and I've ledger. noticed that the fees have gone up recently. So things have been happening in the library that uh, require more expenses on their part. I'm not looking at you, but I'm looking at you. Well, okay. <laughs> so, uh, I understand that you're that – you're... <laughs> I really don't have anything for that. Yeah, no, it's a fair call. It's okay. a fair, like, yeah, yeah. What has changed uh, uh, in these last 59 weeks in the library? Yeah, and, it, and, it's, and it, it's mostly me. But mm. I do intend to, like, observe and like to touch. Like, riding around on the on the, on the three eagle three, it that, is a yeah. it is a sustainable vehicle. It's very ecological, ecologically yeah, exactly. friendly. Yeah, exactly. And as the library's resident naturalist, mm-hmm. like, I do intend to protect the wildlife in its in its own state. Yeah, tell me what you, what it, what you find out about about those hebdomadaries because they, they do kind of look weird. Yeah. And I'm a little bit worrisome, but as long as they don't do anything to the books or the shelves or you know the records, I don't know how they would. I mean, they don't have. Like, they look kind of like they might crawl on top of one and absorb it. Yeah, right. Yeah, which okay, is kind so of like, kind of like worrisome. You know, observe these from a from a safe position where I don't where I don't harm them. Uh, and we'll just we'll just see. I'm I'm just so delighted by the diversity of wildlife yes. in your in your in your I'm, library. I'm astonished by how you keep discovering these things that I never was aware of in the library. Maybe well, I'm just the, a little bit blissful when I'm just like with my nose in a book and yeah, yeah. And when you you know leave, which I haven't done in about fifty nine well, weeks. That's your problem. No, there's only opportunities. Right. Very good. Uh, uh, so speaking and, of opportunities, yeah, I'm probably not going to win a Segway award for that <laughs> no. one either. <laughs> Speaking of opportunity, you you might like to take the opportunity at this moment if you look down at your podcasting device. Oh, this is how I should do it. From, okay, this is how I should do it from now on. Yeah. If you look down at your podcast right now, you probably have the ability to set a star rating on the uh, service oh, yes, that, you're, that you're using. So give us a couple of stars uh, and maybe leave a review for an episode that you haven't listened to yet because that's sort of on the, on the on the theme. So what do we have in store for our readers next week? Right. Next week's book is by Casper Kelly. Ooh. More stories about spaceships and cancer. <laughs> You had me there for a second. <laughs> uh, that about covers it. Thank you for joining us at Cover My Ass, where baffling books are reviewed, but not read by yours truly. My name is Kaki. And I'm Kay. And remember, we only judge a book by we its cover. We only judge a book by a cover. Oh, wow. It's been so... Oh, I keep forgetting that we're doing that together yeah. now. So, okay. Oh, we've been doing that together for 59 weeks. Well, we've been uh, 59 weeks off and on. I mean, you yeah. were raccoons for a while, or I was doing this show with raccoons for a while. It seems and unlikely. You were doing a lot of what we do on this podcast. It's very unlikely. Yeah, I don't know how. Just keeps happening.